Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Authors, coaches, speakers. This week's listener spotlight. Five stars. I love the focus of your show. Great podcast with great messages. And I love your energy. We need more podcasts like yours. And that is Stavros. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a short written review, and I'll give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. Our next speaker is a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Okay, this week on the podcast, we have Nick Santanastaso. He's a medical miracle. Not only is he one of four people with the rare genetic condition, Hanhart syndrome, the inspirational keynote speaker is an internationally known bodybuilder, fitness model, despite missing both his legs and one arm since birth. He's a business life strategist, helped over a million people live. And a little quote from a friend, not of mine, but a friend of his, thank you for helping me frame my perspective on life just a little bit more. That's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, Nick did the unthinkable when he became a varsity wrestler in high school. At the same time, he rose to Vine Stardom, sharing his life and thoughts on acceptance, positivity, and pushing your limits with millions. And as I mentioned, he's gained the admiration of A-list celebrities, um, as I've just mentioned. And we can go on. His bio is very impressive. I want to jump straight into it. Nick, are you ready to amplify your mission today? I'm, I'm ready to amplify it. I'm ready to over-deliver. I'm ready to drop some bombs. Let's do it. Absolutely awesome. What are you all about? Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? Like, like you said, you did a great job. I trained um, over a million entrepreneurs live. I help uh, speakers, content creators, coaches, product and service people, CEOs, how to maximize and monetize their voice and make more money and make more impact. And so um, I'm, I'm glad to be here and see if I, how I can provide some value to your audience. Yeah. And I, I was just t- telling you before we sort of uh, recording this, you know, looking at some of your um, your speaker reels, your sizzle reels. I mean, you've you've spoken all over the world. Inspirational for me as a speaker and going down that path to see what you've done. Tell us a little bit about the journey and when you decided that motivational, professional speaker, author was going to be a key piece of uh, you know your life. Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, when growing up, growing up was a was a tough time for me just because I didn't have any role models that look like me mm. until I stumbled upon the other Nick. Um, his name's Nick Vojic. And um, he, he's actually an Australian pastor who has no arms or legs. And my parents introduced me to his videos when I was a young kid, 12 or 13. And um, it was my first taste of like, oh, like there, I can do something and I could be something and I could be successful. Um, but I didn't know if I wanted to become a speaker. I just knew that I could have some sort of success. Yeah. And it's, it's always interesting. My, my dad's like always weirdly right. And so he always told me, um, son, you could be a speaker or you could be a sports announcer. He's like, your voice is incredible. And I was like, I don't want to do any of that, dad. Um, <laughs> and, but I met Nick. Um, my name's Nick too. It's weird. Yeah. But I, I met Nick backstage and um, we cried and it was a great time. And then kind of went on with my life. How old and, were you when you met Nick? Because I was I'm like, really aware of him. He was inspirational to me for sure. Yeah, I was like 13. Oh, wow. So he's, I'm 26. He's probably like closer to his 40s now. How I got into speaking, I, I've done a lot of things before speaking. I was a, a bodybuilder. I was a professional prankster. And then um, I moved to Florida. And um, one of my mutual friends was like, hey, come to this mastermind. There's a few people coming. I just want you to meet new people in the area. And I was like, great. And so I go to this mastermind and um, I kind of shared a little bit of a, a story about myself. And there was a kid over there um, on the couch and he was like, you're going to be on stage with Tony Robbins one day. 
And I was like, who's Tony Robbins? You know, <laughs> I was just a 20, 21 year old kid, no business experience. And um, he's like, well, Tony Robbins is the top business life strategist. And he's like, I, I feel compelled to help you. You know, I, I love your story. And he's like, he's like, I know you don't know me. and We don't have a relationship. He's like, I'm going to work for you for free. And he's like, and if you like the work I do, maybe one day we'll start a company together. And that was almost six years ago, two seven figure companies later and on a world tour with Tony Robbins. Um, and and what was his name? Because I believe I met him. He was with yeah, you. His, the name, last name. his name was Ratmir. Yeah. Um, and he, he just stepped out. He's, he's here. We're always just working together. And the reason why I share that story for the audience is because I want you to note that you're one room away from changing the trajectory of your life. There's a law that I teach on. It's called the law of exposure. And what the law of exposure states is once I'm exposed to a greater version of life, I cannot be unexposed. It's the same thing. It, you know, if I took Adam and I was like, hey, come on a private jet with me, he'd never want to fly on a spirit airline again. Shout out to spirit, right? <laughs> oh, man, um, I had a bad, bad experience with him. You're one room away, but also sometimes it takes a friend, a stranger, or a mentor, or a teacher to see a gift in you that you may not see in yourself. And so just by association, just by proximity, I went from a bodybuilder to like an entrepreneur overnight, not mm -hmm. overnight, like it doesn't just happen overnight, but I'm saying with my association and my proximity, I went from only knowing things about eating and lifting to living in a house full of people who own their own businesses or were doing their own things. Like I slept on the couch when we build our business um, because there were so many roommates in the house that everybody had a room and I didn't have a room and I moved into the couch or whatever niche or whatever industry you're in right now that you're working towards one of the best ways to catapult your success is to get in rooms with people who are way ahead of you in that industry because they're going to condense decades into years for you and that's the only reason why i have this amount of success at 26 years old is because mm. i've learned and i've cut checks so people can give me the information quicker i'm just trying to do the timeline i first saw you speak at cole hatter's event thrive right. in vegas i think it was 2018 I was doing a little book tour and it was awesome. It was awesome. And then obviously we kind of come full, full circle. I saw you recently at a smaller event and uh, I, I came to you and I spoke to you and I, I, I told you I'd seen you back then. And you were like, this before you went on, you was like, oh, I've got a lot better now. And it was brilliant to see the evolution for sure. When, when did you start speaking in that way? Because I saw you 2018 and I'm just trying to work. Maybe not that long before that. And I couldn't tell, which is another, you know, uh, you know compliment for sure. Yeah, I, pre I appreciate that. So there's three levels of communicators. There's three levels of speakers. The first level, level one, which is the lowest level of communication is when the speaker is speaking at you, mm. right? And so if I fast forward to 2018 and I'm on Thrive and you're seeing me, I'm speaking at the crowd because I'm a young kid. I don't feel worthy yet. I'm on stage with Ed Milet. Ed Milet's closing after me. And I'm like, I got oh, something yeah. to prove here, right? And so I'm coming off very aggressive. I'm coming off very like in your face, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and Ed Milet, his style is quite, you know, very, you know, he, yep. he likes to shout and pump everyone up for sure. Right? Yeah. But but in, in that sense is like, I was speaking at people. And there's, mm. a few, there's a few words or there's a few tonalities that level one speak at. And it's like, you must do this and you got to do this. And not, not everybody likes that speaking style. Mm -hmm. um, now, the second level of communicator would be speaking with, speaking with the crowd. And for the communicators out there, this is a small shift from going you to we, we must, we have to, if you're open to this, right? Like we're inviting people in, we're not telling them that this is the only way. And this is also level two is where you go from you understand the concept of going from the hero to the guide. Yeah. 
right? So even, even level one, level one speakers, they're the hero. It's all about me and what I've did. And, and, and don't, and, and, and by the way, if this is like rubbing you the wrong way, it means there's just work that needs to be done. And I had to go through it as well. Now, level three, which is the highest level of communicator is not speaking at, not speaking with, but speaking through speaking through people with specific stories and going over their conscious mind and hitting their subconscious mind and using all these different language patterns. So you invite them in and they feel comfortable. And so that's why when I was like, when did you see me speak? He was like in 2018, I was like, dude, I got light years better. And one of the reasons why I got light years better as well is because when COVID hit, um, almost, I almost went bankrupt and almost destroyed my first company because it was only speaking engagements. Yeah. And when, when most speakers pulled back on speaking, I created my inner circle. And that forced me every single Monday to learn new things, to teach new things, to get more tactical and to exercise the muscle of communication. And so, I mean, what was COVID 18 months? I mean, it kind of merged yeah. together. Time just kind of got lost, yeah. but that was 18 months of, of um, four lessons a month new, whether that's digital marketing, emailing, business, scaling, hiring, like you named it. I learned everything because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel tactical enough. I didn't feel like I was good enough. And I was like, I'm going to go under a rock and spend this time getting even better. Right. And when I come out on the other side, I'm going to be a totally new version of Nick. And, and meanwhile, before COVID, I was speaking with Tony, I'm on tour with Tony yeah. and I'm, I'm really good, but it's like, now I'm even better. And hopefully when you see me in three months, I don't recognize me today. So yeah. that's the goal. I remember you, you told us that I think you just moved your whole team to Vegas because of the, you know, you're speaking, speaking, there's obviously a lot of events in Vegas. You moved your whole team there and then pretty much COVID shut everything down. Yeah. So, so my business for three to four years, wasn't recession proof. And it wasn't pandemic proof, clearly. Mm -hmm. A lot of people's business wasn't pandemic proof. And so my only revenue was coming in for speaking fees and book sales. And it took us three years as newbie entrepreneurs to realize, huh, this isn't scalable. Like this isn't sustainable. Like there's only so much of Nick. I haven't yep. been able to clone myself, right? Um, and so our whole thought process was let's move our company to Vegas. Vegas is a hub so we can get one way flight or like one shot flights, like yep. no layovers. And a lot of the events are in Vegas. And so we moved to Vegas. I have one speaking engagement. I'm like, this is amazing. And then boom, overnight, like almost seven figures and deals gone, like canceled, canceled, no deposit, canceled, canceled, canceled. And I wasn't in the position to lose seven figures and deals. We had just moved our company. We just got a new place. And this is a really pivotal moment for a lot of entrepreneurs. And the reason I say that is because hunger isn't taught. Hunger is squeezed out of you when you get your, your back put against the wall, right? And a lot of the times, most humans and entrepreneurs won't tap into that survival instinct because they never put enough pressure on themselves. Yeah. And a lot of the times, if you're not comfortable, if you're not familiar with putting pressure on yourself, you don't want to do it. But like this was forced pressure, you know, because there's a difference between healthy pressure and unhealthy pressure. I think COVID in the beginning was unhealthy pressure because we were like freaking out. Right. So there's like a phase to this. Um, it's like first you freak out and then you pivot. But some yeah. people just freak out and they wait till the world goes back to normal, which they got crushed. Yeah. And so our whole story or our whole mantra was I don't have time to learn or build a digital company because I'm on the road and this money's great and this impact is great. And I'm just going to kind of chill here. We're a little bit comfortable. And COVID put our back against the wall and we were forced to learn digital marketing, funnel building, email marketing, value ladders, online education, you name it. And so COVID birthed our digital company. 
And now that the world is back to normal, if I had fingers, I'd cross them, but um, crossing <laughs> fingers is that now both my companies are firing off and they're seven figure companies. And I don't say that to impress people. I say that be, because the only reason why I have two companies is because I got my teeth kicked in. Yeah, I totally relate to that because not com- not well, kind of comfort zone, but my main lead generation, I got my thing set up and then it was like going to events, speaking to people in person and so when that got taken out, that was really my lead generation. And, and then I had to, in a digital way, kind of replicate that that person-to-person contact of they know, like, and trust you because, it, I mean, that's so so easy in comparison. But to do that in a digital way uh, when you can't go to events, as none of us could for a, a good couple of years, yeah, I got I, it was a, a challenge and in a better position for it for now, for sure. Talking of challenges, that's definitely an entrepreneurial challenge. And knowing your background, clearly there are challenges. I'm curious as to when was a real challenge in, in your um, kind of your origins of growing up, because from a young age, it always comes across from the outside sometimes. Oh, you know, this was you've been very positive throughout. Generally, everyone has a, a dark day. And I just I'm curious about that because I've never really heard about that point because, you know, I've, I've seen you on TV at 12 years old and being an inspiration even then. It's a great question. So. I would say that I was the kid that was really good at putting on a face, mm. right? Um, and I think the reason being is because I love people and especially my parents and my family. And I never wanted to feel like a burden by putting like my anxiety or my sadness or my insecurity on other people consciously. Um, and so a lot of my childhood was waves, which I think we're that waves don't go away. I think like the waves get smaller or you get a better boat as in a better mindset. But my childhood was always up and down. And so highs and lows. And the, the reason I became who I am is because of the pain that I went through. And so humans will change for two reasons. We'll change for, change for pain or pleasure, but humans will always run away from pain faster than we'll run towards pleasure. And, and for everyone listening, you need pain. You need pain because pain is leverage. We always need leverage. That's why, you know, a lot of people are good at setting goals, but nobody's good at achieving goals because it's two different things. You need to find leverage. And so for me, my leverage was that girls didn't like me or my perception was girls didn't like me. Oh. Right. There was a, there was a time where I was on a school bus. I was, I was 13 years old and this girl, I know, her, I know her name. I know exactly what, I, what she looks like, how she made me feel. And she looked at me and she was like, I don't even have to make fun of you. You're already too messed up anyway. And because she said that, I then developed beliefs about who I am, what my worth is, who loves me, who doesn't love me. And this is called a misdiagnosis. This is what I call the misdiagnosis. And what I mean by that is, um, as an entrepreneur, as a human, how the brain works is you have an experience. Based off that experience, it's going to feed into the belief about who you are and what you're capable of. And so how this shows up in entrepreneurship is, is say, Adam, he goes, to, he goes to build a podcast, right? And um, he goes to have a guest on and he asks the guest to be on and like, I don't want to be in podcasts. Because of that experience, Adam's brain goes, is podcasting for me? Should I really do this? This was a stupid idea. You're such an idiot. Right. And the brain talks us out of persisting enough to get the results that we want. So now we have a belief and an experience. Right. So what I'm trying to say is don't misdiagnose yourself. Yeah. Right. The only way that you can lose as a as an entrepreneur is if you quit. Oh, Nick, it didn't work out. No, it just didn't work out. 
as long as you did it. You didn't persist enough. And so if you if they want to note, I must be persistent enough to get a new result or a new experience to have a new belief about who I am and what I'm capable of. I think I went sideways on the question. I don't even know if I answered the question. <laughs> no, no. I just know you you nailed it, especially it's like a big challenge when you've grown up. And I, I'd never again, obviously a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, that that's the that's the women time. So it's interesting to get that, you know, that personal perspective because yeah, that's reality. You know, what are you what is a 13-year-old boy thinking about? You know, yeah. girls generally and, yeah, exactly. and sports and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that that pain drove me. That pain drove me to do a lot of things. If you think about it, that pain drove me to start to become a wrestler. Mm. Right. Because if I'm a wrestler, girls will like me. And then I was like, oh, let me come become a bodybuilder. Let me lift weights because then, you know, let me get the tattoos because then. Right. This was all, like a lot of it is is yeah. Nick coming from a place of wanting love. But talking about that, I mean, it sounds strange to say, but. There, you know, there's a photo of you and The Rock and you guys really do resemble each other in terms of the tattoos and just, you know, the, the vibe, the aura. And you'd think on paper, you guys wouldn't resemble each other. But I think that's that's awesome and inspiring. And, and hearing about you know, how much you're into wrestling and bodybuilding, what was it like to meet The Rock? Yeah, man, the, one of the biggest, and I say this in the most like not cocky way, but one of the greatest things about being exposed to people like this is you, is the big mindset shift is like, they're just a human. Yeah. And once you understand they're just a human, you realize you're capable of great things as well. It's the same thing. When I first saw Tony Robbins on stage, I'm like, this guy's a God, like, <laughs> like an untouchable, like no joke. Like I was conditioned. I was like, this guy's an untouchable. Like no one gets time with him. Who, what, what human can speak for 13 hours straight on stage? I was like, that's, I can never do that. Now I could because I have tactical strategies. Right. But, yeah. um, but meeting the rock was, it was, it was super cool, but I think I, I get there's, there's some things that I can leverage that help me get to these people, like my unique body and my unique psychology and the results that I get for people. Right. Um, but well, I think that's as well, I, I take from that you, you got to work what you got. You know, you oh, will get sure. dealt a hand it. and you just make yeah. the most of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But they just want to be treated like normal people. So it was, it was very cool. But I agree. Getting up close and personal. I, I grew up in sports early, uh, when I was younger as well. Same thing. You, you, will put, you almost think they're like bred in a different place and they're from a different planet. And they, if you see them on TV, or whatever, they always look bigger. And like, yeah. but then when you get, if you can get up close to them, I heavily recommend it. Cause then you're like, oh, they are just a dude or a woman. It's like, oh, they're, they look regular. Oh, yeah. they must have born and grown up somewhere. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, they have failures. They have insecurities. They, they have probably, a brain. Yeah. Like, They've probably been told their whole life, you're not going to be a, like a professional wrestler or you're not going to yeah. be a movie star. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and what I think what I'm most proud of about that interaction is I rattled off the things that I was going to achieve to him. And so I was like, I'm going to speak all over the world. I was just a bodybuilder. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to speak all over the world. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to become the first Calvin Klein model with no legs. I mean, I started rattling off to him all these amazing things. Why? <laughs> One, to reaffirm it. But two, you never know who that man knows. Yeah. Right. And so that's why it's important for you to have your goals extremely clear. And, and you know them because you're one person away from a door opening up that could change the trajectory of your life. And I'm trying to leverage all the doors. Ah, brilliant. Completely agree. I mean, not touching on that then. What are some of the things that you think have been really effective for you in terms of amplifying your mission and that people can take away if they're like they've they've got this or they want to develop their their mission, their message is is good, but it's it's not really it's not really getting out there because it's it's too same samey. I've heard some of your stuff, you know, you're, you're a unicorn and, you know, it's hard for someone to compare or compete in a positive way. So how do you think other people can amplify their mission and things have really moved the needle for, for you in your journey? Is the first thing that comes to my mind, I was, I was on a, a plane and there was this older lady next to me and um, 
I found out that she did real estate. And I, all I'm doing is asking questions. I'm just asking her questions. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I, I don't know why I got so, so much better results than everyone else. And in my head, I'm like, no, there's something that you're doing that they're not doing. And so I kept asking her questions and she labeled off all her little things. And she wasn't even aware that she was labeling off all her little superpowers and her skills. And afterwards I said, do you realize you just named me like five, six things that all the other agents weren't doing that you were doing? That's why you're successful. And she was like, you know, and so the reason why I share that is because every single one of you listening right now, you have, you have um, your own unique experiences, breakthroughs, shifts, traumas, things that you work through. And if you dissect it enough, you're doing something that other people aren't that makes you set apart, make that your process, make that your thing, make that your new opportunity, make that the exciting thing that you can teach people. There's something that you're doing that you're getting results that you may not see that you need to dig on and you can share people that. The other thing that I would give people, and I got this from one of my mentors is your who is you a few years ago. Oh, you said that last time. I, I think I literally wrote that down. That really struck a chord with me. I love that. Your who is you a few years ago. So where were you a few years ago? What was the process or the journey that you took? Now help people condense that and do it in a month. Do it in two months, do it in three months, not five years, help them do it in six months and they'll pay to go further faster. The other thing I, I have um, like a four step purpose formula. So I would say a really good questionnaire that you can answer that's going to help you get your message out there, maximize it the most is the first question. It's a really tough question is what's your name? So everybody knows their name. The second question is who do you want to serve? Because money is one thing, but taking money from people that you want to work with we've all felt that feeling it's like i don't want to work this type of thing. Yep. what is the result that you get people what is the tangible results that you can get people how does their life change because of you and your expertise and where do they congregate where do they hang out mm -hmm. right and if you get extremely clear on that that questionnaire then you know who your ideal client is you know what the results that you get them and you know where they hang out and then you deploy the strategy that I call survey and serve. Survey and serve means if Adam is my ideal client, I'm going to hit Adam up and say, hey, Adam, I really value your feedback and I really value your time. Would you be open to just getting on like a 20 minute call? I can ask you a few questions about your journey. I don't have anything to sell you. I just want to ask questions because I really value your brain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I get on the phone. I get on the Zoom with Adam and I'll go, Adam, really appreciate you. I have nothing here to sell. I promise you this is not a sales pitch. So what do you do? Where are you going? Adam, what kind of coaching do you like? Have you ever paid for coaching? Do you like six months? Do you like group? Do you like one? And all I'm doing is I'm surveying my audience to get obsessed with where they are, where they want to be. And what's brilliant is when you survey your people, you will get patterns. Oh, yeah. You'll get the marketing patterns. You'll get the content patterns. You'll get the curriculum patterns. And you'll know exactly where to find these people. Why are we creating things based off what we think people need? Let's create things based off what people need by asking people. So, so let me just end off with this is like, even me at first, I asked the question of what business am I in? I'm like, I'm in the business of transformation and transforming lives and breaking through when in reality, I'm in the data business. And the more data I have, the more accurate my message, my content and my marketing could be and my impact and my income will elevate in results of that. Boom. Love it. And as an author and a speaker, I'm curious, what have you learned from the author process? Because obviously there's millions of books out there. And again, it's, it's a small percentage that sell millions. If you do another book, what would you do differently? And, and, 
And what are some key things you think when it comes to publishing? This is a really good question. Yeah. So the first thing that I learned about the, about how to write a book was that you don't need to know how to write a book or write a book. Before I forget as well, I interview people who are like, oh, I, I do a bit of speaking. Like you're a legit speaker. So I'm like that, that combination of the speaker, the author publisher who, you know, speaks at events and then has their book there as a, a supplementary thing. And, and the sort of the size of the audiences you speak at, if you get that piece right, that could be a huge, uh, you know, jump in revenue as well. Yes. So learn from my mistakes. My first book, um, it's funny because Ratmir, early in our career there in Florida, he's like, we got to write a book. He's like, it's an expensive business card, business card, but we can get your speaking fee up like a few thousand if you're a bestseller. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. He's like, can you write a book? I'm like, I can do anything. And so um, here I am and I'm, I, I pop open Word document and start typing and I'm like, I did it. And I look down and it's four pages. I'm like, <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, and I was scared to tell Ratmir this out that, a little bit. Right? I was, I, yeah. I was scared to tell Ratmir that it was only four pages. So like two weeks go by, he's like, how's the book coming? I'm like, bro, I got to tell you. He's like, I was like, I need help. Um, he's like, how many pages you got? I'm like four. He's like, all right, we need to find something. And so we found our, our buddy now. And um, it was a process where they just interviewed me on the phone for like six hours and like yeah. segmented um, like two hours each. And they helped me ghostwrite my book and it was out and they got my Amazon bestseller and I was on my way. Now, what I would do differently, which by the way, get your pens out. If you're listening to this, this is gold. This is making millions of dollars. What, what I would do differently, what I will do differently when I launch my next book is tie the book into my highest level stuff. Yeah. Push them to something. There must be some call to action in the book. Who does this brilliant? Russell Brunson. Oh. You got expert secrets, you got traffic secrets, you got any secrets, Russell, you got a whole lot of secrets, right? But we buy all the secrets because it's tied and it's weaved in. And so what I would do is I would tie in your highest level program, your highest level mastermind, your highest level, whatever. I would tie drips of it inside your book. I would give them a taste inside the book and then I would lead them to a link. I would lead them to somewhere where you capture the information or I'd lead them to a challenge. I don't know what it is. But just that small shift of you intentionally writing the book, mm. so it nurtures, gives value, and leads them to the next thing, you will be way further ahead than I was years ago. And I'm, I still don't even have a book that ties into something. Like, I'm still working on that. So yeah. learn from my mistakes. And for speakers or, or people who want to get on stages, say, for example, you want a specific I'm, – I'm dropping – game here say, say, you, say you wanted a specific speaking fee and they couldn't get the speaking fee try to bundle in where they buy a percentage of the books they buy a bunch of books yeah. right so then at least you're getting book sale revenue and that's where i am at the moment and i i was i wanted to ask with your first book as well was that self-published hybrid publish or traditional publish and and how does that affect because i know the profit margins really vary depending on self-publish uh compared to like the traditional and you know, i'm just curious how you kind of the logistics of working on in a, on a yeah. big scale at stages. Yeah. So we, we, um, we got on phone calls with publishers and all that different type of stuff. And I wasn't very big. I'm still not very big. Um, but I was, I wasn't, um, I wasn't anyone and, um, you got to pay a lot of money. And by the way, this is just my perspective. I'm not yeah. pushing any beliefs on anyone. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of money, a lot of like structure and not like a, a definite, like, your book's definitely going to sell out, you know? And like the traditional one is a long-term process as well. That's another thing. It's yeah. like, okay, if you want, it's like two years down the line virtually. 
Yeah. So, so for us, we, we self-published it. And then the model was that we had, you know, a 99 cent Kindle version that a a bunch of people that would boost up the rating and we can jump categories and all that different type of stuff. I mean, the margins on the book were pretty good, especially. Yeah, I was going to say self-published because yeah. Right. So from stage and yeah, say we're making the book for five, $6, we can sell it for 20 bucks. And what you can potentially do is the only way that they get a meet and greet picture with you is if they buy your book. Yep. Right. And so um, that was, like I said, early on, that was our, our second stream of revenue. And, and I would literally, they had to pull me off meet and greets. Cause I like, I'm for the people, yeah. right. A lot of speakers will show up, they'll get their check and they'll leave. And I'm just like, what do you need? How can I serve? I and by the way, you and Tom Cruise, he's legendary on the red carpets. They have to pull him away eventually after hours, doesn't he? He cares. Like he just likes the, and, and this is the thing, the, one of the beliefs that I have, um, and, and, and I, I think it's one of the reasons I know it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so successful is because my belief is if I over deliver, I always win. Huge. And just starting to wrap this up. I know it's on your radar. If you were to give a TEDx talk in the next year, what would be the unique idea you'd share? What would be the clear sort of message? Or, and even you might think in terms of what would that be the title of that TEDx talk? So I'd have to, I have to dial it in better, but yeah. The gift is always there if you want it. Um, Have you ever seen a one-sided loaf of bread? Have you ever said a a one-sided coin? Have you ever seen a one-sided piece of paper? You haven't seen it not because it doesn't exist. It's because it can't. The law. So there's always two sides to a situation. You give the meaning. And so if we can help the audience train their brain to find the gift, they will, they will never lose the only winner learn like Nelson Mandela says. Awesome. And in terms of assets or if someone's looking to, you know, amplify their mission and they're, they're either a, predominantly a speaker or predominantly an author and they want to get out there or they may be a podcaster. What are some of the key things you think will help you go from that, that speaker who's either barely getting booked or can't really cross that threshold as a paid speaker to someone who's does a 30 minute presentation gets paid five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand. What do you think some of the assets that, you know, the process, the, 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 the actionable things that they can kind of get in their toolbox, as it were? Self-worth. You'll never make more than you think you're worth. And the only difference between you getting paid nothing and 5,000 is you telling them it's 5,000 and them saying yes. That's what's getting in their way. Yeah. Like you don't think you're worth it. So never lower your price, only add more value, right? So how can you stack the value um, for the event organizer, for the, the speaker lineup, whatever it may be. But I'm telling you is like, you need proof of concept and your proof of concept is you throwing out a $5,000 and you sit there like, Oh shit. I threw <laughs> right. And them saying yes. And you're like, what? Or they're like, Oh, 5,000. I thought it was gonna be 10. And you're like, what the, you know, like that, that's the truth. Right. Um, but also I'll give speakers two saucy things. First thing, go study the greatest speakers, amazing speakers. And last but not least is when you speak, not only film yourself, but film the crowd. When you film the crowd, you can see where in your talk do they pull out their phones? Where in the talk are they unengaged? Where in their talk do they lean in? Where in their talk do they laugh? What jokes hit? What jokes didn't hit? It's not always about you. If you study the audience, you'll get more gold than studying yourself. Definitely. I almost thought about like stand-up comics when they, you know, they tour for months and months and months, fine-tuning, doing that sort of get, seeing what works and what doesn't hit. And then that's when they record it. And I think when 
you know if you've done a specific kind of talk like hundreds of times you're always tweaking it and trying little things and like oh that didn't go so well or, wow that went really well and yeah that's mastering your craft awesome on that note when has been a moment for you personally when you're like whoa this is kind of like one of my peaks in terms of the speaking or just your journey where you're like I can't believe whether it's, I, I don't want to say what it is for you, but because other people, oh, it must be when you was on stage with Tony or that, that crowd of like, looks like hundreds of thousands almost in China. But what's the point where you're just like, whoa, when you look back and that's a, a fond memory for you? April 23rd, it was my dad's birthday. Um, and it was also the two year anniversary of my brother overdosing. And I took, we went out to dinner um, and I, I told my dad the plan to retire him. And I said, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how much money is going to come in. This is when it starts. I know you don't believe me, but when the money hits the account, you'll see it's real. And that was my, my first big dream goal, right? It's like my, my brain's always going is like, how can I retire my parents? And so that was um, a massive moment for me where I'm like, huh, I'm doing it. I'm doing this entrepreneur thing. Like it's working. Right. Um, but I think two other ones was when I spoke in front of 10,000 people in China where they were, it was literally a school um, and they're all standing and um, I would speak an English sentence. And then my translator would translate into Chinese and it was all scripted wow. like 8,000 words I had to remember. And I was scared shitless. Wow. And um, in the beginning, in the beginning of the speech, I say a line in Mandarin. I say, um, hello, my friends of, and I say their city. And for this city, I fucked it up. And, but I said it with certainty and they went, yeah. And I was like, they loved it. And, um, but just to see like 10,000 people, um, that was really amazing. Wow, that's and, stretching yourself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then I, I did 15,000 people with Tony in Miami Heat Arena. Um, and actually a lot of people don't know this, but um 15,000 people in Miami Heat Arena, I speak on day four and Tony's not there on day four. So early on when I partnered with Tony, um, I would speak on day one and day four. And I, I spoke and day one was very interesting because um, if the venue has a curfew, you don't go on. If Tony goes over, you don't go on. Okay. And Tony always goes over. Yeah. Um, and so here I am day one, I'm on call, like basically like, I don't know if I'm going to go on stage. Like I'm just like sitting there with anticipation. Wow. And I was in Singapore and they were like, you're going on. And I went on. And after I was, I was finishing up backstage told Tony that I called him out and I didn't call him out. And so here I am and I'm hyping up the crowd. I'm like, fucking come yeah. on. And I turn around and Tony's like, and I was like, it's Tony Robbins. And he was like, it's Nick. And then the crowd went wild and we hugged. And then like, I went on my way. Um, so that was really amazing. And then one last one, I, I, I spoke at his date with destiny. And I was doing a bit and then I come off stage and I was doing another bit. I came out on stage and in instead of Tony going backstage, he sat in the audience to watch me speak. Oh, and I was like, holy, like Tony doesn't do wow. that. You don't, you know, like, and um, I, I crushed it. And instead of going backstage, I went to the, where Tony was sitting. Um, I wasn't advised to do that. And I did it. And um, I was like, can I sit next to you? He's like, yeah. And we like hugged and we got oh, a cool picture of me hugging. And um, I got compliments from his other facilitators. They're like, bro, it's one thing to crush on Tony's stage when he's not there, but it's another thing to do it when the big man's sitting in the room and you did it. I was like, yeah. So, yes. so that, that's what I got. That is awesome. And he is a big dude. Um, I'm, you know, that's really good to hear. I'm, I'm glad. I wanted 
that's I think that's inspirational for people to hear as well. It's, it's, and the sort of moments that, you know, that stuck out for you. So in, in wrapping this up and if people want to continue the conversation, I've just clocked the time and it's just absolutely flowing. What's the best way to continue the conversation? You connect with you, follow up. Yeah. Hit us with your links. What's the best way? Yeah. I mean, Instagram would be the best way at Nick Santanastasso. If you type in Nick, S-A-N-T-O, it'll be a really long last name. No legs, one arm, bunch of tattoos and a mustache. And you probably can't. you think they'll find you? They'll work out. They'll yeah. find me. Yeah, they'll find me. Yeah. Awesome. People are listening to it. What's the kind of the last words or advice you want to leave people with? Is adopting the belief that you can profit and change lives through your passion. Um, like whatever you're really excited about learning and doing and teaching, there's profit and there's impact in it and you can do it. You just need to find the right people to guide you to save you time. I mean, you could do it on yourself. It may take a little bit, but you can monetize your passion. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're not doing something that fulfills you, there's got to be some work that needs to be done because there's a better quality of life out there for you. A lot of you on this podcast may have made the money and realized this is it. This is, this is, I thought it was going to make me feel more. And the only thing that's going to make you feel more is when you're on purpose and you're doing something that really fires you up. And so find that. And I think life will never be the same. Once you really, really, really understand that you can profit by sharing your zone of genius. And if you don't think you have a zone of genius, you live in 2022 and you can pick up a phone and learn any skill that you want. Um, skill set, mindset, tool set, all of it. You can learn it all online. Just find the right people and learn from them. Nick, I absolutely appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. You got it. Send in love. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join our Amplify Your Mission community on Facebook. Thank you for your cooperation. All right. Have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown in three, two, one.